We have so much rich content. We never struggle for an idea. That's first and foremost, but we have so much rich content that we can give to people as like demand gen, to get them interested, to educate them, to bring them in top of fun, all that sort of stuff that we would never need to like gate content. Hey, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Content Briefly. We have Jessica Walker on today. She is the chief media officer at a company called Medic. Medic is an acronym. It is a sales methodology. It's actually open source, but this company has built a training business around that and is in the process of launching a SaaS product around it as well. They have a completely different content strategy than anyone else we've talked to on this podcast. As you might expect, based on Jessica's title, it is heavily media-driven. Their team is built up of video producers and production managers, things like that. I actually don't even think they have a writer on staff. So I thought there was just a lot to learn here. There's a lot of teams right now talking about how to diversify their content in 2024. If you want to see a company that's already doing that, granted, it's a slightly different business model than many of the B2B SaaS companies that we have talked to on this podcast. A lot to learn here. Really interesting. Jessica was very generous with her knowledge and experience. I certainly enjoyed this one and I think you will too. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Teal. We talk a lot on the show about marketing, and when it comes to your career, the product you're marketing is you. But marketing yourself can be hard, even for experienced marketers who could sell honey to a bee. And that's where today's sponsor, Teal, comes in. Teal is your personal career development platform. Whether you're looking to get promoted in 2024 or want to grow your career by making a pivot or landing a new role, Teal is the number one tool you need, especially if you're tight on time or not sure where to start. With an AI-powered resume builder, job tracker, cover letter generator, and free Chrome extension, that integrates with more than 40 different job boards, Teal is the all-in-one platform you need to run a more streamlined, efficient job search and stand out in this competitive market. You get a purpose-built app to help you keep track of roles and applications, plus built-in guidance every step of the way, and some awesome new features coming in the next few months. So if you're thinking of making a change in the new year, leverage Teal and grow your career on your own terms. Get started for free at tealhq.com. Hey everybody, Jimmy from Superpath here today with another episode of Content Briefly. Really excited to be chatting with Jessica Walker, Chief Media Officer at a company called Medic, which I initially thought was healthcare related, but have now done some more research. And (laughs) anyways, there's a lot to unpack there. But before we dive into that, Jessica, welcome. Would you mind introducing yourself for folks who don't know you? Tell us a little bit about who you are and some of the work you've been up to over the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here, first of all. So yeah, I'm Chief Media Officer at Medic. I too, before I knew what Medic was, thought it was healthcare. And then I also thought it was a cult. It's neither of those things. (laughs) Medic is a business startup. We are media, SaaS and enablement. When I joined two years ago, there was four of us. There's now 35. Oh, wow. But essentially, we help B2B tech sales teams, as well as go-to-market teams, helping them win deals faster is essentially what we do. And then from my perspective, I am a marketer through and through, although rather embarrassingly, like I don't like to admit this very often, but I never actually wanted to be in marketing growing up. I really thought that marketing was just ordering pens, just ordering water bottles. They're the teams that spend lots of money. They don't know what they're talking about. And then quickly realized that that is not the reality of marketing and and fell in love with it. So I've been working for larger companies, larger organizations, mainly private organizations, and now working in a bootstrap startup, which is completely different, but I'm loving it. That's awesome. So Medic is a sales methodology, right? Is it proprietary to the company? 
or is this kind of maybe open source isn't exactly the right word, but it's, it's a methodology that other people use in practice, correct? Yeah, it's exactly that. It's an open source framework. So it was created in 1996 by a gentleman named Dick Dunkel. And essentially, no one was really talking about the framework. Lots of businesses were using it, but no one was really talking about it. So in 2019, my CEO, Andy White, wrote the book on Medic. It did really, really well. And he realized that there was a gap in the market in terms of being enabled on what MedPick actually is and how to use it but also from a CRM perspective, which is why we're also building our very own SaaS to complement Salesforce and HubSpot and things like that. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, that was the next thing I was going to ask you is how do you help customers? Is it training yeah. in the methodology? Is there a software product? Sounds like if there isn't software yet, it's coming. Yeah, so it's both. So it's training and SaaS. So at the moment, we have a membership model, ARR-based where you can, we work with teams and individuals to train them on MedPick, how to adopt it, how to implement it. We say that it's a go-to-market framework rather than just for sales teams, which is kind of our differentiation for the rest of the people out there that are talking about Medic. So and then we help, once people have got up to speed with how to use Medic, we really want them to get onto our software basically and start applying MedPick in their day-to-day. -day. So we are building the SaaS, it is out there, we just haven't spoken about it that much because it's brand new, but we have an in-house team that are, that are building it as, as we speak. Very cool. That's awesome. I love, well, I mean, I actually hope the same thing for Superpath. I love when businesses yeah. start, in our case, community, in your case, education and training, and then the software vision kind of comes into place as you really deeply understand the customer. So teaser, worksheet, Superpath is going to be building some software this year, which is too soon to talk about, but I'll tease it. Could you talk a little bit about your customers? Who are the customers? What are they selling? Is it, you know, is it primarily like B2B SaaS sales teams or is it like across the board? Yeah, I would definitely say B2B SaaS is like our highest percentage of customer. We work with mainly tech businesses, so security tech, health tech as well. Health tech is actually surprising for me because I didn't expect that. The majority of our business is B2B tech and SaaS, but we do have security elements and health elements as well. I was actually quite surprised to learn that we have health tech within our company. And it, it just makes me laugh that we are called Medic as well. And it's nothing related to medical devices or anything like that. But the majority is B2B SaaS. Very cool. And the, the trainings that Medic does, these are in-person, are they virtual? Is it cohort-based? Like, could you give us a sense of like, you know, a sales team wants to learn and put this into practice, like how do they work with you? Yeah, amazing. Like it's so varied dependent on the customer. We like to say that every single customer's implementation plan is completely different based on where they're at, what they know, the stage of their business. But the, the fundamental thing is that we are an on-demand online business. We can fly in, we can do online workshops, we can do live sessions. I mean, Andy and Pim, Andy's our CEO and Pim's our CRO, they're in Vegas right now doing a keynote for one of our customers. So we do do that sort of thing, but the majority of our business is online and on demand. And we just think that it's scalable, repeatable, you know, sure. we always say that, you know, if you're training people in a room, 10% of them can't make it. You might have 20% like attrition. And then it's like, what happens to those people from a training perspective? You know, once they've, they're not there in the room, you're going to have to fly us back out. And it's just such an expensive model. 
And I think a lot of our competition kind of like the element of being in person because it's this thing of always being needed. Okay, so there's more people in the room. We need to fly us back out and then we can help you. Whereas mm. we're just very digital first, I would say. Yeah, very interesting. Now, the next thing I typically ask folks about is content strategy. And we're going to talk a lot about that. But maybe first, can we start with your title? I think chief media officer stands yeah. out to me. And when you go to the site and you go to the media part of the site, like it is media, it's not a bunch of blog posts. Yeah. Could you talk about that? Like, how did you come to be the chief media officer? Like, what does media mean in the context of medic? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to this. The first thing I see is like owned media is this really big topic on LinkedIn right now. And that's great. Like, I, I fully believe in owned media. But when people think about media at the moment, they think about podcasts, they think about blogs and we try and think of media as this like ever present thing. And it's it's kind of our strategy. So it, all of our products created with the media lens applied. So like our training programs, for instance, the MedPit Masterclass is five hours long. We're thinking in our heads, almost in like a Mr. Beast YouTube type way. How can we make this entertaining? How can we keep their attention? Like, how can we keep them zoned in? Because we know people have got short attention spans. So media for us is just a core part of our strategy and i think from my perspective i was really nervous at first when andy said to me about being chief media officer for a lot of reasons but one of them was like will i ever be able to get back to marketing because people won't recognize the difference between media and marketing and will that like put me down a path that i don't want to go down and, and actually I'm, I'm really glad that i sort of put that thinking to the side because for me how we're looking at it from a business is that like i said media is this ever-present umbrella and then underneath it we have brand and marketing and we're seeing brand as like our long-term projects and then marketing is like our really short-term activation to, to obviously generate leads so for us media we class media as three things. It's an internal agency. So we'll probably get onto this later, but in terms of my team, we're classed as like an internal agency. It's a channel. Medic media is a channel. So obviously if you go on our website, you'll see that it's, you know, videos, blogs, events, and then also we're just, we're a product pillar as well. So obviously if for every reason we decided to sell medic, we have a media arm of our business as well. Okay. That's very, yes. I have, I have follow-ups about that. That's very interesting. <laughs> I am curious first about the internal agency part. That means that you and your team are contributing or responsible for producing the trainings that customers purchase. Yeah. So, so the majority of the actual content itself comes from Andy, which sometimes I, I, I'm sure people in marketing can resonate that having your CEO as the contributor can sometimes be a bottleneck but we have to remember that he is the subject matter expert in medic i am definitely not the subject matter expert in medic i can support marketing a medic but i i cannot create thought leadership myself based on sales and medic because i'm not a sales professional right but what we do is we work with andy very closely to think about how we can produce content in the best possible way from an entertainment perspective as well as an education perspective so we look at like masterclass for instance what are they doing with their trailers what are they doing with the content how can we bring in these best practices from some of the best in the industry into what it is that we're doing and so that's definitely where we lead with like the the training element that's so interesting i just i don't know that i've ever come across a business where the folks who do marketing are also the folks who are 
actually creating the product. Yeah. And what an interesting way to like truly understand who your customers are. Like I would imagine that creating creating educational materials that people purchase gives you a lot of ideas for how you might activate potential customers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know, I don't want to offend anyone listening to this podcast, but there's a definitely a time and place for gated content. But for me, I, especially in at medic, I'm not a fan of gated content. I don't do it and I never will. And I would like to think that nobody in my team would ever suggest that as an idea to me, because my belief is that we have so much rich content. We never struggle for an idea. That's first and foremost, but we have so much rich content that we can give to people as like demand gen to get them interested to educate them to bring them in top of funnel that sort of stuff that we would never need to like gate content and that is because we're so involved with the enablement side of the business can you talk more about that like what what does enabling look like how you know i would encourage people actually go to the website we'll link to it in the show notes too like Go and see what the content looks like because it does look quite different than what you might see on other B2B blogs. And I would just be curious to hear you talk a little bit about like, how do you enable people on the site? Like, how are you driving them to activate? You know, the thinking here is also different, right? Like many folks we yeah. talked to on this podcast fit into two buckets. It's like a PLG bucket where it's tons of content mm -hmm. and a free trial button, you know, or it's less, slightly less content, kind of more bottom of the funnel-y type stuff, yeah. plus a demo. CTA, yeah. like, and it's not quite that binary, but those are typically what we talk about. So in your case, this is sort of a broad question. How do you think about it? Where are you driving people? Just any details you can provide there would be really interesting. Yeah. Again, I don't want to offend anyone about PLG, but we have like this theory at Medic that PLG is just, is really a marketing tactic and it's nothing else other than that because you're giving away something for free to drive activation or to drive something and really that is kind of marketing it's not a sales-led thing it's it can be product-led but realistically you're marketing the product by giving that free thing away so i'd say that we do we're a mixture of everything we do have some product-led growth because we have free previews so people can come on the site and they can free preview the actual paid training but also like we are just this like sort of i don't want to us up too much but i would say we're we are this like media empire where it's just like we just have so much knowledge so even if you use medic from a different competitor or you have learned medic from a book or a blog we we don't mind that we still want you to learn from us and to engage with us because we see medic as completely open source a zero-sum game the more people in the ecosystem talking about it the better and i think that's the difference we know there's there's people out there that will take our content and do whatever they want with it and and we're kind of like that's okay like because we feel so confident in in the value that we provide yeah that's so interesting also just kind of a different flavor here compared to some other conversations in that because medic is open source there is kind of an abundance mentality like you don't yeah. have to own all of it like it's people are probably going to discover or not probably they could discover it in a book a podcast that somebody else made, et cetera, and still yep. ultimately find their way to you. I think that's super interesting. Going back to what you mentioned about kind of the three responsibilities of you and your team, agency, channel, and product. We talked a little bit about agency. Could you talk a little bit about the channel and product components too? 
Yeah, so I think from from our perspective, like one of the things I'll say about the, the team is that I don't actually have anyone in my team that's like a that's like a marketer. They're all very production and, and media bias. So we have like videographers, production managers, content strategists. Like we don't have like marketing manager, demand gen, SEO, that sort of stuff. So we've t- definitely taken a different path when it comes to the setup of of the team. But from a channel perspective. What was really important for us is like, obviously in 2020, when Andy set up the business, it was just him and two others. And then I joined and it was kind of a case of, okay, we know there's a gap in the market, but nobody's really heard of Andy. Nobody's really heard of what we want to do. And it is kind of a little bit new, this on-demand training sort of thing. And it was in the middle of COVID. So the biggest thing for us was like, how can we drive our name out there and it all just came back to media and none of the other people in the industry were really touching on media at all so it was a case of like we need to get our name out there everywhere we have a bootstrap budget so we don't have i'd come from like previous company where i had millions in in the budget so to come in here where there to be quite honest there wasn't a budget i could spend a little bit but there wasn't you know a massive amount so it was like, how could we get our name out there quickly? How could we build up our authority? And like I say, it all came back to media. So just pushing us out there in every way possible. And that was like why we created this medic media channel as almost like a database for people to to come and, and you know, learn from us on. That's very interesting. I have a follow-up about that, but I'll save it. I'll save it because <laughs> I'm sort of curious about the the product element that you mentioned too. Yeah. So from a product perspective, like we definitely we have an in-house product team, uh, CTO managers, and they are responsible for building out the SaaS. But how we get involved is we have like open product meetings once a week. And we, again, always come back to the strategy of like user-friendly, very clean, very minimalistic and, and with the media lens. So what we're actually doing, which is really exciting, it's not it's not yet ready but our SaaS product is called Medic Operating System. And what we're essentially going to build is everything in MOS. So at the moment, our training sits on a different website to, to our product. And at the moment, media sits on the medic.com website instead of our product. We're going to bring everything into our product. So for instance, if you were filling in an opportunity as a sales professional and you were unsure about a topic, the media that we have, this media database would pop up almost like, I don't know if you remember Microsoft Clippy. Oh, sure. Yeah. It'd kind of be like that. So we're building this like database of content to be able to pull into MOS to really drive the functionality of the product as well. That's really cool. That's very cool. There was something you mentioned a moment ago that I wanted to circle back on, which is budget. In my mind, I associate the word media with expensive. It it sounds expensive. Videographers sound expensive. Yeah. But you also mentioned that this company is bootstrapped, which means you didn't have millions of dollars to spend on all this. Could you just paint that picture? Like, what does it look like to build a media arm of a business without a massive budget? You know, maybe the, and maybe the, the thing that I'm sort of trying to tease out in my mind is production quality, you know, like video and audio requires a different skill set. And generally people are well compensated to do those things. Like how do you, do you have to get around it? Do you have to do it slowly? Like, anyways, I won't answer the question for you. I'm curious. I'm curious what your experience has been. 
I think the biggest thing is really having someone who believes in it. So like media would have never happened if it wasn't for Andy. And there was a long time and, and probably still now media is the biggest department in the business. And that's kind of unheard of. Usually it would be the rev team or the yeah. team. Like we are the biggest team in the business and we will be for a long time. But even when we were, you know, four, five, 10, 15 people, we were still the biggest team. And and that's because Andy really believed in the power of what we were doing and what we wanted to do. It was a, it was a long-term play. It was never a let's invest in all of these people and we'll see results next month. It was definitely a long-term, but from, from my perspective, I, I started two years ago. It was just me for about six months. And what we tried to do in that first six months was we, we rebranded, we built the new website and we tried to build all of the foundations out before we took anyone else on or took any more work on or anything like that. And it was really like set the foundations, right? Get the basics, right? And then for the start, I, I sort of outsourced the, a lot of the roles because it, it was kind of cheaper to do so in a way. And that's what I needed to do to make the budget work. So my core focus was like Google ads and hiring freelancers. And that was kind of, that's kind of the marketing plan for like the first year. And then we were like, okay, we feel confident in this. So we started to hire videographers and production, but we knew with the media focus that the, that we, that we wanted to go down the video route as opposed to just long form written content. So it was really important that we found a videographer before we found some of the, the long form content people within the team, because that would make the biggest difference for us in terms of quality on the product as well. Right. I don't know if that really answers your question yeah. very well, but. You know, one other kind of follow up to that is, yeah. is the company remote and how does that affect media production? I'm just imagining like if you're all like many years ago, like 12 years ago, I worked yeah. for a small web design agency and we had a small video studio in the office and clients would come in and they would do video stuff. And it's like kind of easy because it was a local business with local customers, but remote changes everything. Mm -hmm. How do you work with that either in your favor or to kind of like work around some of the challenges that it presents? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a challenge because we are we are based all over the UK. We have Pim, who's in the Netherlands. So we are sort of spread out. We are looking, touch wood, like please touch wood. We are looking to buy and invest in a studio this year. Cool. So we really want to double down on all things media, even from a product perspective as well as an entertainment perspective. So hopefully we will have a, a dedicated studio space. But at the moment, we've sort of just invested in the equipment to be able to do it remotely. Yeah. And then also, like, we've, you know, Andy's setup in his office is incredibly good for a home office because we know that that makes such a difference to our end product. So he has his dedicated media space there, and then we'll just travel. We'll all just, you know, convoy over to to, to his space to uh, to travel to do some of the larger projects. But for the majority of it, we we all sort of have like a remote space that we, we can do these media things in. Yeah. Do you look around at B2B SaaS companies? And I, I'm bringing this up because this is the lens through which I often look B2B SaaS. Do you look around at the way that other B2B SaaS companies market their products and imagine better ways for them to go about it? Like, I'm I'm just wondering, like, given your background and your experience doing this media playbook, do you feel that it should be more widespread than it currently is? Selfishly, no, because I just want to keep it <laughs> yeah. 
and, and nobody else take it. But I think it, there's two lenses. Like, obviously, we use medic. Like, we, we obviously try and be the demo where possible. So, like, marketers using medic is a skill in itself. It makes a massive difference. Like, we talk about messaging a lot. And if you're using medic, you would use metrics. So you would use proven value within your messaging. So I look at a lot of companies with that lens, with the medic lens, and be like, yeah, you've got some great messaging on your site, but it means nothing. It's not, you know, it's not related to, to anything that you do. So I look at it from that lens and think there's definitely some improvements that could be made from that point of view. But from a media point of view as well, I, I am going to definitely offend some people, but I do look at some different companies and I think you, you're you're definitely taking a safe approach with your media and marketing. Like there's more that could be done there. That's so interesting. You know, having worked in both sales and marketing, I often observe the broken relationships between those two parties, right? Like yeah. I was in a marketing role at a company, later went on to be in a sales role within the same company. And I couldn't believe how bad our own marketing was once I got yeah. in that, you know, it's like, wow, we're, this is where the money comes in the door and we're missing so many opportunities to drive people here. Yeah. Had I known this, I would have thought about our marketing so much differently, you know, prior to working in sales. So I'm sure like now that I've had that, I look around and I see it everywhere, you know? Yeah. So it's actually very, I find it very interesting that you look at it, not necessarily from a media perspective, but from like a, because you understand the customer, like you're training people on a better sales methodology that you look at it from that perspective too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so many people do have like a broken relationship with sales. So I remember in my last organization, it was always like sales versus marketing. There was never, they didn't understand what we did. We were really like annoyed at them for not filling in the CRM or like not getting the deals yeah. in or wasting yeah. leads. Whereas at Medic, like again, Touchwood, like me and Pim, the CRO, we have a, we have an incredible relationship and we really do get the value of what each other's doing. And I think what helps with that is at the moment, Medic is kind of like 95% inbound driven. So 95% of our revenue comes from inbound leads. So I feel like Pim almost immediately, he calls me queen of inbounds, which is nice, but nice. he almost immediately has this respect for me because he, he knows that I'm trying my best to obviously deliver for the ref team. And we always align our goals together. So I don't tend to look at like vanity metrics for media. We are almost targeted on as a media agency is like revenue. How much revenue have we supported? How much revenue have we generated? And a new thing that we've introduced this month is we've brought in the B2C side of the business under media. We now have the development rep reporting into me and working on the B2C pipeline. So I think even that is like, for me, a big signal that this business believes in what we're doing and that they've given us the trust to be like, okay, go and do this with B2C, go and test it, go and experiment. And then, you know, let's, that's how can we build B2C into B2B, if that makes sense. Is the B2C part of the business selling to individuals rather than teams? Yeah, absolutely. So we've, we've always done that since we've, since we were founded, literally, uh, I think it was Monday. Monday, we launched four things at once, which was absolute chaos. <laughs> but one of the things we launched was membership for individuals. So that now sits with the media team from a revenue perspective, which I think is is really cool. It's this the first is a, time I've ever had that in, in my team. Yeah, this is a fascinating hierarchy of the bit. It's really interesting. I really like it. You mentioned metrics a moment ago, and I wanted to follow up with you about that. 
what metrics are you responsible for? And do you have any any tools you rely on to keep track of those numbers or any any like highlights from the way that you go about reporting that folks might find interesting? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is like attribution. So obviously seeing where all of the leads and inbounds come in, which I'm sure most people can relate to is sometimes bloody difficult to find and, and to get yeah. the attribution. So we rely a lot, obviously. Our, one of the things that I think is brilliant, some people might disagree with this, is that our website is built in the same platform as our CRM. So we use HubSpot for both things. And immediately that just gives us so much more of an advantage because we can personalize things. We can see how many times people have clicked on things. All of our Google ad campaigns can run from there. So it's like everything is all in one place data-wise. I think the biggest metrics we kind of look at right now is like the YouTube revenue we're generating. So how can we continue to generate that revenue on YouTube? Because that's just more of like a side thing for us. And then also all of these leading indicators that that basically tell us how much revenue we're going to generate for the year. So like the typical things of like website traffic, web views, specific page views, the free previews. Free previews is like our biggest thing that we track. How many people are we putting into that to that pot basically for the the rev team to to speak to? And I'd say that's kind of it really. There's definitely a lot more metrics that that we'd probably scan, but I think often businesses get lost in metrics. So we try to keep it really simple. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they do. And, you know, <laughs> one of the reasons I think they get lost is going back to what you said about HubSpot and doing it all in one place. I think that's pretty important because many folks are trying to glue together Webflow CMS, Amplitude mm-hmm. for product analytics, Google Analytics for traffic and yeah. Salesforce for their CRM. And they're trying to figure out like how to make the data all work together and how to attribute it properly. And it's maybe it's not impossible, but it's close. And you could spend yeah. a lot of time going down that rabbit hole and come back out and not, <laughs> you could have more numbers, but not necessarily more confidence that mm-hmm. certain marketing behaviors lead to more business. So I think it's a yeah. very interesting tip to just keep it all in one place, save yourself a lot of time. Yeah. And I think that comes back to like the question you asked about how do you just start this media team? And for me, like it was just me doing it on my own for six months and if I'd have spent so much time building this really comprehensive tech stack for marketing and all of these different things in different places, I, I'd probably still be doing that. Yeah, and right. It, it was just, it was just. There's this saying, like we say at, at Medic, it's just, it's a well-known saying. It's just keep it simple, stupid, and it's like kiss, and um, that is just our thing. Keep it simple, stupid, because it just allows us to be so much more focused and have much more time and efficiency when it comes to to actually getting stuff done. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, there's one new question that I would like to start asking people and it's about you personally. Are there certain skills that you rely on in your day-to-day job that you feel make you successful? Or maybe another way to think about it is as you look back at your career, like what are the either other personality traits or hard skills you've developed that have gotten you to this point? Yeah. I definitely think big picture thinking has definitely been a skill throughout my career and and it's been commented on quite a few times in terms of I don't just like to it's not so much that I like to be in other people's lanes but I definitely don't like to just have this narrow-minded focus in terms of I'm just doing this project and this will affect this it's like I try and look at it from a business lens and a horizontal lens I think if your marketing or content teams aren't looking at things from a horizontal perspective then I don't really know 
what sort of value that they'll be adding because they'll be very siloed. So I tend to try and think of things from a big picture. And, and I definitely think that is a skill that I've noticed not everyone has. Mm, definitely. So I, I definitely go with that. And then I think the other thing is, is communication. I think with, with, in my role, especially you could be spinning 20 plates at once. And it's like, I don't know, the building's building, burning down and then like the dogs are barking somewhere else. And yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot. And I think you just need to always just, I don't know, like there's, there's this thing of like, people say that you have to be mean or you're too nice. You, if you're too nice, you won't get far. Or if you have to be, you have to be mean, you have to be stubborn and you have to put your foot down for people to recognize you. And I just don't think that has ever been the case for me where I've had to like really assert my authority in communication to get a better response. It's just, you know, communication is just really simple. Keep it clear, keep it concise and just make sure you're communicating at all times, even if it's just a, I haven't got an update for you. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, that's great. And actually it resonates with me, but sort of from the opposite perspective, like that's something I've struggled to do. And yeah. when I moved into a sales role a few years ago, it was easy to like get on a call and chat with people and be nice. And then it, you got to the part where you had to sell and say how much it costs yeah. and how do we get started and what do you need to sign? And I really struggled with that part, Yeah, you know, and got some reps in, but anyways, it's, I think it's a, it's a great point that really just being direct is a benefit to everyone that you work with. So that's awesome. Yeah. No, thank you. Jessica, it's been really interesting conversation, totally different flavor than many of the other podcasts we've done. So really appreciate you taking the time, sharing your expertise and experience with us. We always direct people to the company website and we will have a link for folks. Go see it. It, it will strike you as different the second you get there. It does not feel like every other B2B website out there. So would encourage folks to do that. And then how about you? Can we send folks to social profiles, personal website or anywhere else? Yeah, absolutely. My LinkedIn is probably the best place to to catch me. But yeah, I, I appreciate it. I've, I've loved coming on the show. I love speaking to you and I love all the compliments you've given our website. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. We'll have a, a link to your LinkedIn as well. So go connect with Jessica. Thanks so much again for doing this and hope to talk again soon. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Take care. 